Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This Weekly Standard Podcast is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Whether you live in one of the many communities dependent upon sugar production or are a taxpayer saving scarce federal dollars, you're benefiting from America's sugar producers. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. It's been an astonishing week, by the way, in Washington when it comes to scandal. Uh, Mark Hemingway has a great piece in the uh, Weekly Standard Ideological Revenue Service. Uh, Mark, we're so glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on. So the Ideological Revenue Service, is that something new or is it something you've patented if you started T-shirts? How does this fit in? (laughs) Was that a garage band in the early 80s? I think so. It's actually, uh, believe it or not, I wish you could take credit for it, but I think one of my editors wrote that headline, but it, it does perfectly sort of encapsulate what's going on. And what is going on? Well, um, you know, obviously the, the, the it's a pretty remarkable story in, in that you have the IRS uh, harassing, you know, close to 500 conservative groups for years. And um, and not only that, what's remarkable is, is that all the information that this was going on was, was out there. Um, one of the the undercovered aspects of this is, for obvious reasons, is that uh, um, this is actually a big media scandal. Um, uh, the you know the the House Ways and Means Committee held hearings on this stuff. A lot right. of the information that's out that out there shocking everybody now has been out for a long time. It's just the media just decided this wasn't a story because the Tea Party types were, you know, crazy paranoid people and they weren't going to cover the issue of mm-hmm. IRS harassment. So um, that's what's really terrifying. I and mean, then this notion that the, the media is just incapable of serving as a government watchdog because they're busy defending the government. I wrote a book about the Tea Party in 2010 early on called That's No Angry Mob, That's My Mom. And I was doing a chapter on the way the Tea Party had been treated by the Obama administration. And these stories are already starting to percolate. And I'll be honest, Mark. I didn't follow them up because I thought, well, you know, people get a little too enthusiastic or they get a little too worried. I feel terrible. It was right there, waiting to be followed up. Well, you know, people did follow up. I mean, there, there certainly were stories in the conservative media about this stuff, and it, mm-hmm. it, it did percolate out there. Um, it, it's more an issue of, you know, the, the cumulative uh, um, a number of these stories and groups that were involved. You know, sooner or later, a light should have gone off. I mean, if there were even one or two stories trickling out, you know, that the IRS might be targeting groups with, you right. know, the word civil rights in their names or something like that, I mean, you can only imagine the media frenzy that would have, you know, in, ensued. So um, it really is just sort of a testament to, to how... Um, um, uh, uh, the media has ideological blinders on for this sort of thing. I'm confused as to the f- facts. I mean, the, the, what I thought we had a certain set of agreed upon facts, even the Obama administration. You know, they planted a question at a small, poorly covered event so that an apology could be made ahead of this IG report. And in the apology, they the woman says, we targeted and I'm sorry. Then they had the acting commissioner who testified on Friday. He said there was no targeting. So if there was no targeting, Mark, what did they apologize for? Well, this is the interesting thing. Is, is their defense is that it was not some sort of you know, political retribution. It was just a bunch of misguided you know, employees who had poor guidelines, and uh, um, it led them to ask all sorts of inappropriate questions and harass hundreds of groups. Now, the problem with this line of defense is that actually makes it worse. You know, if you have a couple of employees with a specific political axe to grind, you know, that are that are overstepping their bounds and doing things inappropriate, that's right. an easy thing to fix. You just, you know, go into the agency and, you know, throw those people in jail or whatever and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. But if the story is that, you know, the entire, you know, hundreds of people at the agency involved in this stuff didn't know when, you know, their good intentions ended and, you know, um, ide- I- their, their ideology began in terms of, you know, determining um, what constituted uh, a reason for an inquiry to these groups, 
then that is almost a totalitarian mindset. Um, uh, you know, that's just the whole whole culture of the agency is is just completely you know politically and ideologically compromised, and and that is something I, I don't even know how you begin to fix. Mark, short let, of let me up to, let me up right there. Do you think that Team Obama, by which I mean the Obama administration? The people in in the media who are on his side as you know supporters. Do you think they honestly think they've done anything wrong, or do you think that they just got kind of like NASCAR fans would say, rubbing his racing, you know? And if you're not cheating, you're not trying, that kind of thing. Well, that's a good question. I mean, there are a number of you know big name media people that are still sort of defending the purity of motive of of the IRS here. You know, Jeffrey Tubin wrote this awful piece for the New Yorker. Um, where he actually asked the question, did the IRS do anything wrong? You know, and he said a handful of IRS employees, you know, saw some campaign finance inconsistencies and tried to, quote, impose some small sense of order, you know. Um, and uh, you know, the New York Times headline last week was IRS focus on conservative groups give GOP an issue right. to seize on. I mean, like, the only troubling <laughs> thing about this is, you know, what the effect is going to be on Democratic electoral prospects. Um, you know, so... So do you think they did anything? Do you think they think they did anything wrong when the president apologizes and he says he's outraged that this happened, and yet his own representatives say, "But it didn't happen." I don't know what to do with that as a citizen. I'm, okay, so I, I would I'm prepared to be outraged if something you just denied happened happened. Is that, I don't what is that? Well, no, I mean this is a good question. I mean, I honestly though, you know, despite a number of prominent people in both government and the media would have just still sort of nominally defending the IRS. There actually has been a lot of good reporting, and uh, one of the things we've learned through some good reporting in the media uh, um, is that the, actually the, the, the crimes the IRS go far beyond what they initially admitted. I mean, they only admitted, admitted to a couple hundred groups. We now know it's like close to 500, and, and, and there have been a number of places where this story is starting to fall apart. And there's but, a manager. This was interesting to me. I think it was the New York Times, maybe the Post, reported that they've identified – there is a manager who told these people, reportedly, yeah. you know, to use this target. Where's that manager, and why isn't that manager in front of Congress, and why don't we have a name? But you saw what happened on Friday where they said to the guy – well, who told you? About I, I don't remember. There was somebody. I, I don't remember. Well, you don't even know the names? Yeah. Well, no, the, 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 these are all great questions, and, and, and I don't think they're going away. Um, Congress is certainly going to let go, and I, I think the media is actually finally doing their job and playing catch up the story. But to go back to your initial question, I think that this is a great litmus test for, you know, who in the media and who in, in politics are, you know, serious people. You know, if, if they are not troubled by the fact or they're making excuses for the fact that the IRS is asking people what the content of their prayers are and what books they're reading, then they are not serious people, and, and they are to be entirely discounted. And uh, um, <laughs> we need to focus on, on, on getting some people in, um, out there who can ask the important questions and, and, and do some real enforcement here. Then uh, what about the Benghazi aspect? I, th- Watching this weekend, Dan Pfeiffer saying, I don't, I'm not going to tell you who the president talked to. I'm not going to tell you who told him about his decisions. I'm just not, I'm not going to tell you where he was. You don't need to know. I mean, I, are we, how can we still be eight months later at the, so where was the president when he found out of Benghazi again? And to have the press say that that's not a story just seems even more astonishing than the IRS to me, Mark. Well, yeah. Um, and what's interesting here, and part of the reason why, um, you know, normally you'd see a situation like this where you might have three scandals break and one or two of them would get buried. Um, I think what's interesting here is the fact that all these scandals broke at once are actually sort of um, fueling the inquiry into all of them. And the reason why is because even though they're all related, the narratives all sort of dovetail in terms of, you know, whether or not you can trust the government to tell the truth, you know, whether or not there's there's cover-ups going on in all of these cases. So um, I, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, 
that you know when when Dan Pfeiffer and you know other White House hacks um, you know say these sorts of things, they're actually only making things worse for themselves. And, you know, the the White House needs to step in and reassure people that they are capable of telling the truth. They're capable of of holding people accountable for these things. And um, the fact that they're just kicking up dirt and, and trying to obfuscate uh, is not helping anyone. Okay, so we found out that James Rosen of Fox News has had his personal emails, you know, uh, uh, gathered, if you will. If anyone, if, if if people who emailed James Rosen or got an email from him in June 10th and 11th, 2009, that email was given to the FBI by Google at the request of the Justice Department. But here's my question, Mark. Are you nervous at all with all of the inappropriate emails you've sent your buddy Stephen Hayes, given mm-hmm. the way he's covered this story? you got to figure there's a stack of Stephen Hayes emails somewhere at Eric Holder's office, too, right? Right. Well, you know, um, I have about 10,000 unread emails in my inbox, so, you know, hopefully if the Justice Department is in there, they can do some organizing for me. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's chilling. Uh, um, and, Only and I two groups it's... of people were covering the uh, Benghazi in particular, and that was Fox News and the Weekly Standard. You were the only two people on the story. Well, Cheryl Atkinson and CBS, I guess you'll yeah. have a file, too. So, no, yeah, um, it's, it's absolutely um, um, chilling. But, but you know, aside from the fact that, you know, it's disconcerting for us as journalists that this is, this is going on, I, I, the, the, the thing we need to be most concerned about, though, is, is what about the, the, the whistleblower in the federal government or the person who knows something about the government's misconduct that now all of a sudden is going to shut up and not send us that right. email he was otherwise going to send that might expose wrongdoing. I mean, that's what's really worrying to me. It's, it's not necessarily that the journalists were under scrutiny, although that's a huge problem. It's that this is going to prevent people from coming forward in the future, and that's going to make it much harder to expose malfeasance, and, and that is really disconcerting. You know, we're uh, noticing here in Boston that the Department of Justice had more surveillance of Fox News reporters than it did of the Zarniev brothers <laughs> after traveling back and forth from Dagestan. That does not make us feel very good. Uh, Mark Hemingway, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. This Weekly Standard podcast brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. Also check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.